welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome to Attitude Adjustment this morning. I'd like to open uh, this morning with uh, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Amen. Welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. This is a closed meeting. Only conference attendees registered as sexaholics may attend this meeting. This is a topic meeting. I will introduce the topic, and then there will be time allotted for sharing on the topic. SA is an anonymous program. Many of us carry cell phones and mobile computers capable of audio and visual recording. To maximize our commitment to anonymity, we cannot allow the use of these devices for recording of anything inside this conference. This is a recorded meeting, and the recorder cannot be turned off. If you choose to chair, you must speak clearly and directly into the microphone. By choosing to speak, you give consent to All Star Media to record your share. You may choose to introduce yourself by another name if you desire. All-Star Media is an outside vendor carefully selected by the Unity Conference Planning Committee. By the terms of our contract, All-Star Media may sell and distribute these audio recordings to registered conference attendees on-site this weekend only. If you have asked, uh, I've asked um, a volunteer to read um, a selected reading for this morning. The solution. Yeah, hi. My name is Lee. I'm a sexaholic. Glad to be here. Thank you. The reading this morning is the solution. We saw that our problem was threefold: physical, emotional, and spiritual. Healing had to come about in all three. The crucial change in attitude began when we admitted we were powerless; that our habit, that our habit had us whipped. We came to meetings and withdrew from our habit. For some, that meant no sex with themselves or others, including not getting into relationships. For others, it also meant drying out and not having sex with the spouse for a time to recover. We discovered that we could stop, that not feeding the hunger didn't kill us, that sex was indeed optional. There was hope for freedom, and we began to feel alive. Encouraged to continue, we turned more and more away from our isolating obsession with sex and self, and turned to God and others. All this was scary. We couldn't see the path ahead, except that others had gone that way before. Each new step of surrender felt it would be off the edge into oblivion, but we took it. And instead of killing us, surrender was killing the obsession. We had stepped into the light, into a whole new way of life. The fellowship gave us monitoring and support to keep us from being overwhelmed, a safe haven where we could finally face ourselves. Instead of covering our feelings with compulsive sex, 
we began exposing the roots of our spiritual emptiness and hunger, and the healing began. As we faced our defects, we became willing to change. Surrendering them broke the power they had over us. We began to be more comfortable with ourselves and others for the first time without our drug. Forgiving all who had injured us and without injuring others, we tried to right our own wrongs. At each amends, more of the dreadful load of guilt dropped from our shoulders until we could lift our heads, look the world in the eye, and stand free. We began practicing a positive sobriety, taking the actions of love to improve our relations with others. We were learning how to give, and the measure we gave was the measure we got back. We were finding what none of the substitutes had ever supplied. We were making the real connection. We were home. Thanks, So today is October 15th. Um, I'm going to be reading from the reflections, uh, daily reflections from uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. So the topic today is uh, my checklist, uh, not yours. Gossip barbed with our anger, a polite form of murder by character assassination, has its satisfactions for us too. Here we are not trying to help those we criticize. We are trying to proclaim our own righteousness. It's from the 12 and 12 Traditions, page 67. Sometimes I don't realize that I gossip about someone until the end of the day when I take an inventory of the day's activities, and then my gossiping appears like a blemish in my beautiful day. How could I have said something like that? Gossip shows its ugly head during a coffee break or lunch with business associates, or I may gossip during the evening when I'm tired from the day's activities and just feel justified in bolstering my ego at the expense of someone else. Character defects like gossip sneak into my life when I'm not making a constant effort to work the 12 steps of recovery. I need to remind myself that my uniqueness is the blessing of my being. And that applies equally to everyone who crosses my path in life's journey. Today, the only inventory I need to take is my own. I'll leave judgment of others to the final judge, divine providence. So for the next five minutes, um, I will share my experience of strength, uh, experience, strength and hope as it relates to this topic. Uh, and then I'll pass this on to my co-leader, uh, Dale. So last night I, I, you know, sort of pre-read this and I actually had to read it over a couple of times because I, for me, this is a little bit more advanced than where I happen to be in my step work, but, um, it nonetheless applies to my life and is, quite a large character defect for me. Um, I, my, my profession, you know, is one that in order to enter was, um, or still probably is quite competitive. Um, and I struggled to get into the profession that I am in. And 
nowadays there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of measures by which one can uh you know sort of assess a person's ability that like how good they can basically be at their job and um a lot of this is just with like steer sorry sheer like statistics and numbers so there are ways to measure how good i am uh versus you know a colleague of mine and i find that you know perhaps it was part of my struggle to get to where i am but i i think that i've always probably been somewhat competitive but um kind of inwardly so and then now i the the change from academia to real life has been has been a hard one i've actually been out of training for my profession for about 8 years now and i still have trouble shaking the the competitive nature that i have in what i do and just recently i you know uh, sort of acquired new colleagues in my in my profession who are perhaps not um maybe then like to my like for me i'm i'm judging them based on their abilities and i found that i have been quick to criticize and not them directly though and this is what i think this particular topic is trying to hint at which is that i'm i'm doing i'm doing it kind of like behind their back um and somehow it makes me feel better you know when i'm when i'm somehow like belittling them or talking about you know how they didn't do this or they didn't do that you know on their side of the street and i guess at this point i i realize it's, it's such a large character defect that i i i need to be mindful of it <laughs> pretty much every every monday through friday um it bec- it's it's like a it's like a reflex for me um I was I was sort of taught to, you know, kind of I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be, you know, not make mistakes. Um but for me to say that I've gone 8 years in my profession since my training and I didn't make a mistake would be a complete lie. Um I've certainly, you know, had my had my lows and I remember when I first started my my job that there was somebody there who cared enough about me to sort of take me aside and talk to me, you know, privately and point out, you know, maybe something that I had missed or hadn't done um and I really appreciated that and I I think I need to um do that if I do need to do that, you know, in the future. But the gossiping that I've been doing, I think is is definitely um something i i would really really like to stop and um i hope that when i get to that point in my step work that i can have god remove that particular <laughs> uh defective character um that's all i have for right now dale sexholic Well, I just got checked good. Um 
<clears throat> was raised in a home where uh, my my father was very opinionated about everything, political, religious, and just about the way the, the world uh, the way the world sp- uh, spun on its axis. He had an opinion about it, uh, and I developed a, an early on that uh, <clears throat> if I didn't have, especially in the, in the uh, my career, uh, that if I didn't have something good to say about somebody, I just didn't say it. You know, <clears throat> and I stayed out of political and religious conversations. Um, had no opinions. What I have found, or what I just did, I was doing a quick check um, after reading this this morning, and I've, um, I have, since I'm retired now, I don't have that. <clears throat> I'm not confronted with that. Um, you know, because I'm being. Uh, one of the salesmen for the company. Um, it's, am I doing the same thing when I'm talking about somebody in my home group to another person in my home group? You know, um, if I've got, if I haven't got something good to say, am I keep my mouth shut? Um, When you know, if, and it's like I say, well, I'm asked my opinion. I share it. Pretty, you know, I'm not bashful about what I when I'm asked a question. Um, so, you know, it's like I don't have a definite answer on that. My spirit just got checked when we read this this morning. It's kind of like, boom, boom, you know, wake up here. There's some ten-step work I got to do here, which is good. You know, that's my lesson for. The, I just got my lesson for the, for this whole retreat for this weekend, and that's you know that's a positive thing for me. Um, and what I've always found is that whenever I get a chance to be of service, I always learn more than anybody that shows up. So uh, thank you for showing up today. And helping me learn something today, uh, or get you know get revisit something I need to revisit and and look at. Thank you. Um, so <clears throat> the topic is criticism, and uh, <clears throat> how do I you know and how do I deal with that when asked questions about someone at work in your home group. We'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on it. Now, there's a table, there's chairs up here. We'd really appreciate not a bunch of dead air time on the tape. So if, if you can come up and sit down, and uh, so we're not having uh, the wait between someone finishing and somebody walking up. And uh, now, if there aren't, if there's not people sitting up here, trust me, I'll have no problem calling on people. So, um, Please come on up. You can start at the back rows and work your way forward if you want to. <laughs> I think he just called me up. Huh? <laughs> no, no subtlety there. Huh? Sorry. The meeting is now open uh, for sharing. We, uh, we ask that uh, sharing be pertinent to the topic. Uh, no crosstalk, please. If someone feels another member is getting too explicit, please, uh, they may uh, so signify by quietly raising their hand. Uh, please introduce yourself before sharing. Thank you. Oh, sorry, that's-
timing you, yeah. uh, how long do you want? Uh, it's two four minutes. Four so three and one or you just want four straight up? Three. Just the three. Good morning. I'm Brian, sexaholic. Um, this is one that I've looked at for a long time in my life. And, um, when we talk about gossip and criticism, it's really, it's really easy for me to do. And I, and I've looked at that to see where that comes from and the roots that that come from in my profession. You know, I've gone and heard, um, motivational speakers go and, 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 and I know my higher power will always take care of me. So there's always work out there. There's always enough to go around. And sometimes I feel like, no, I've got to have it all. I've got to have it all. I've got to get all of it. And, um, I've looked at that and go, well, you know, what is that? And I, and I know that that is my self-hatred. Uh, growing up, there were a lot of things that I hated about myself. I hated who I was. I hated, my nationality. I hated the fact that my, I was small. I hated, I hated so much about myself that I became so driven to excel and be the best and put on this facade that I had to be the best at everything. And so if I'm not, and my wife even tells me that she says, you know, Brian, you have to be the best at everything. I said, no, I just have to be proficient. She goes, okay, if that's what you think. But, um, but, um, yeah, so that that proficiency or that that ex, ex, that needing to excel just comes from my in, deep insecurity of not being happy with who I am or happy with the things that I, you know, just being able to be happy with myself. So I catch myself doing that, and it's in the it's in those sneaky little ways of when we're talking about so and so or so and so. Hey, you know, yeah, he's got this, but. This is a thing that he's really got to improve on. Da, da 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 And in a way, it's a, it's a, although it may be true, it's still a way of being able to compare and say, I'm better than that. I don't have that character defect. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Brian. Hi, my name's Lee. I'm a sexaholic. Um, this whole subject of uh, judgmental, it, uh, being judgmental, uh, is, is was for me, it was, is, let me be honest, uh, for me, uh, uh, a defense mechanism, uh, particularly in, well, for a lot of areas. I, uh, one of the things I talk about most common in, in, in my life story is the fact that from, from the earliest age I can remember, um, I felt isolated, even in my own household. And, and um, that feeling of inferiority, because I was, I, I don't know that I was neglected. I don't know that it wasn't just all me. Um, that, Intruded in everything as I grew up, as I as I grew older, including um, uh, going to work. Uh, I barely passed. I, I, I climbed my first telephone pole in 1966. I worked in telecommunications all my life, um, 
And in the last 10 years, telecommunications has evolved into so much more that now the actual telephone part of telecommunications is like two paragraphs in an encyclopedia of IT. And um, my relevance just diminished and diminished and diminished, but I'd been in the work so long that uh, that I made a pretty good salary. I made more money than my boss. And someday, one day somebody asked, that, asked about that question. And uh, they said, well, he's, the job title says he should be doing all these other things, but he's not doing them. And, and I was out. It took eight weeks to go through a process that said, you can't do the job. We need to hire somebody else. Goodbye. And I was just absolutely furious. I mean, this, this, was, this was the peak of me finding wrong, wrong in everybody around me. Everybody around me, including the people that laid me off, you know, they were condemned in my mind forever. Um, and I sat down after a meeting one day when uh, the topic had been this this subject of how we play against others to get ourselves off the hook, get myself off the hook. And uh, that night I thought about it. And uh, the next morning when I got up, I could not find fault with any of the people I worked with. I just couldn't. Because when I went through the process in my mind, from their side of the table, they did exactly what they needed to do for the company. And uh, they were gracious in the way they did it. They were polite. They were not, they were not uh, different. They, they weren't, uh, you know, bad in the way they dealt with me. They were very honest and straightforward. They gave me my opportunity uh, in what they call a PIP, performance improvement plan, where here's a, you're going to do these things and, and then you're, and then we'll judge you. And after that one meeting, you know, that's the first time I've had a, a clear, clear analysis of myself and how I use that to protect myself. Actually, uh, to hide myself from me, if you know what I mean. Uh, I was, I was behind the times and I could not keep up and they were right to do what they did. Um, and I had to get, I had to let them off my, I had to let them off the hook instantly. Um, Anyway, that's my two cents worth. Thanks. I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Steve. Uh, back in 2012, I was uh, working at a small neighborhood church. I'm a professional musician, and I have had a very good career. I've traveled all over the world and played with a lot of big artists, and and uh, I found this little neighborhood church there. I liked the pastor and my wife and I started going there and they, uh, they said, what would it take to have you just come in and help us with the music? And I quoted some low ball figure. Wow. That's fantastic. Wow. You'd be here. You'd, you'd work here. And I said, yeah. And, um, and it was the, the next 12 years where the, I have been involved in church work my whole life. And, and, uh, you know, something I do on Saturday while I do the career stuff during the week and, or Sunday while I do the career stuff during the week. And it was the best 12 years I'd ever had at a church. It was just fantastic. My wife got really involved. She had more friends there than I did. And, you know, we would really look forward to going there every Sunday. And, uh, I loved the pastor and he left, but then the next guy, that was great with him. And then the next guy and, uh, the, 
the church chairman of the church decided they wanted uh, a different kind of music than what I was doing. And what I was doing was looking at the demographic of the church and trying to, I know I can't make everybody happy, but just try to make the most people happy most of the time. And, uh, and without telling me, they just decided, well, that's the only thing that Steve knows how to do. So we're going to run him out. And so they did. And, uh, I was absolutely blown out of the water. I mean, my, they'd have these little approving ratings at the church. And at one point I was, I had a 93% approval rating. I mean, it it was, it was just the best gig, church gig I'd ever had. And then one day they decided to run me out. And, um, you know, Lee just shared that it was something that they had, that the people in his situation had to do. This was something that the people in my situation did not have to do, but they did it anyway. And the place has really been faltering ever since. And that was five years ago. I was so pissed and hurt. Um, it affected my health. Um, my adrenal glands were freaked out. My thyroid gland actually quit for a while. I was just so devastated. I'd, I'd never really experienced a big death in the family, but this is probably the closest thing to it. My my wife, who's just this gentle person, was so filled with hatred. And um, in the meantime, you know, I'm a sex addict, and and that of course is what I resorted to. And um, in the process of working my steps, I. I got to my ninth step and just hit a wall because I, I knew I would have to make amends to two people in particular that I just hated, hated them. Um, but I'd have no recovery until I did that. And um, and my ninth step took a long time, but I knew I had to ask these people for forgiveness. And um, I know I'm running short of time here, but suffice it to say that... Um, my eagerness to stay sober and to work the program was way more important than anything else in my life. And uh, my higher power, through a complete miracle, gave me something I could sit down with these two people individually and apologize to them. Uh, and and one of them, was, it's so important doing a ninth step that you write it down. You write it down because I... You know, when, when one of the figures, when I met him, he just kind of swaggered up to the table and he's glaring across the table at me. And I, I hated him again. But because I had it written down, I was able to apologize to him and can you please forgive me? And, and it was short, short and sweet. You know, we didn't ask about, you know, what are you doing for Christmas? You know, I just, I, I was done. I was done. But, but I guess the, the very quick summary, and I apologize for going long, is, is when I think about these two people now, I, I don't gossip about them like I used to uh, because of the program. I, it's like I, I made my amends and there's a peace there. And their junk is their junk is a nice way of saying what I'm really thinking. But uh, I need to keep my side of the street clean because the most important thing in my life is staying sober. And... uh so that's my story. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Dwayne, another sexaholic. I appreciate uh, 
these these meetings, um, especially attitude adjustment and and reflecting on a reading because, um, like like this morning, it it takes me back to some to a a such happening in my past which I've kind of forgotten about. Um, the the feelings aren't there anymore. Um, but in the moment, in that in that time, it was a it was an ordeal, and um, and the in this case, I was in in recovery and um, practicing the tools of the program uh, helped me get through it. Um, I came into these rooms in uh, two thousand four. And um, I was living in another another country with my wife and family, and um, uh, so I, I was I was I cried out for help in, in two thousand three, and um, my uh, supervisors. Um, Laid down some conditions for continuance uh, in in this in my vocation in this other country, and um, that included uh, daily journaling and keeping keeping my those who had charge over us uh, current on on how I was doing with my uh, recovery from from uh, what I now what I now call sexaholism and. Um, about so the next year I found SA and began working the steps and had, had a sponsor who was helped me a lot uh, starting the steps <coughs> and things were fine I uh, was calling people every day and and working the steps of recovery and keeping current and and um, in 2007. Uh, three or four years later, um, still in this, in this country, um, I uh, was exercising one of my uh, acting out forms of seeking emotional connection with younger women, and uh, I journaled uh, I journaled about it and sent it to my supervisors, and I didn't think anything about it because it, it wasn't those are the kind of things I. I did, and I reported it, and nothing would come of it. Oh my goodness! Um, so, to make long story short, uh, that journal entry that that seeking that geek connection uh, led to my request for res- resignation, and uh, that started a tailspin of emotional judgmentalism, condemning, uh, feeling unfairly treated. And I was in an emotional tizzy for um, for a couple of years, and um, step. Uh, it took me it took me a couple of years before I was ready to do amends. Um, it was um, it, it hit me deep. I, I felt my identity had been uh, thrashed. Because my identity was very much tied up in what I was doing in my work, and uh, 
uh, to relive it is 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 uh, brings up a lot of memories that I don't want to replay. Um, but uh, a couple years later, I was able to convene those who had asked for my dismissal for re- my resignation and read my amend and. Uh, and it took probably a couple of years after that before I could meet, you know, sit down with them and talk and, and not think about that event in the past. And um, so I'm very grateful for uh, the steps um, and how they, how they apply uh, to living life on, on life's terms. Because I, I would... Uh, I would have been unable. I don't know what I would have done without <laughs> the, the step four and you know, the steps four through nine uh, in that during that time. So um, I'm very grateful that uh, I can that I've forgotten about that, and uh, but can bring it bring it to light and share uh, as it relates to my experience, strength, and hope. Thank you. Good morning, Jess Exaholic. I um, it's funny. I forgot about a lot of people until sitting in this meeting. Um, but they don't really matter, you know. I really value like internal peace and serenity, and for me, that looks like um having calm within myself, even when my world appears like it's falling apart and it's chaotic on the outside, it doesn't mean that I have to be chaotic on the inside. Um, but it's internal peace. So it comes from within. So I have, it, it comes from within me through my spiritual connection, through working the steps. And I can only give it away. Like nobody can take it away from me. Like I have to be the one to be like, you know what? Apparently, even though I say I hate you, I like you so much. I'm going to give you my peace and serenity. Here you go. And I am going to be shitty all day to everybody else. (laughs) And you're not even around in my life anymore. And that's just kind of how I look at it, you know, and I've been run out of jobs and I've been, you know, a lot of things and come across some people that either a, I don't understand their actions because I'm in an attitude of intolerance or they just remind me so much of something inside me, usually because they're right about some aspect of me that I don't want to look at. But there, there's like a couple ways I look at it. Like one, yeah, why would, I don't want to give them, like why am I spending all this time thinking about them, talking about them to somebody else? I mean, I'm I'm gifted this, this design for living. I'm gifted this new life and I'm spending all my present moments thinking about something and somebody that's not even around anymore. And I, you know, sometimes there's some uh, confrontation that needs to be resolved and I'll work through that on the air of like, what can I do? Like, what's my part in this? If there's like a conflict that needs to be resolved, but beyond that, you know, and I'll work through that with like a sponsor or something, but beyond that, I don't, I'm missing my life today thinking about that Joe Smo over there. And I don't want to do that. You know, that's not fair to the people that's in the people that are in front of me. And those people that are in front of me are usually people that I care about. You know, those are the people that I'm choosing to surround myself with and involve them in my life. And I'm doing them such a disservice and injustice by thinking about somebody over there. 
And, um, and then on the other side of it, I, I don't care so much, (laughs) I guess in a way, um, I don't care so much to like, I I believe that everybody should form their own opinions and judgments over somebody. Like I'm not going to be the one to influence that. I don't like talking about people. I never have like talking about people in such a way that will influence their opinions and judgments. You know, I, cause I don't like it when that happens with me. And at least that gives me a little bit of compassion in those moments where I f- want to feel intolerant. And I want to say, tell this person all about that other person. I have a little bit of tolerance and I have compassion for that because I don't like it when it's turned on me like that. You know, I may have had this certain experience, but it doesn't mean that that's who that person is. And just for me, it's just being in a constant understanding that I'm not all knowing. Um, I'm not God, thankfully, but I don't know that other person, you know, I've been a tornado through people's lives and I was going through hell on the inside. You know, if everybody judged and condemned me and, you know, before I even met them, I don't know where I would be. You know, luckily I got into program and I'm here seeking recovery and I have been, but you know, there's a lot of other sick people out there. There's a lot of things that are going on. And for me to always get in this air of, of compassion and tolerance and for me to align what's really important for me helps with this entire topic, you know, and what's important for me to stay present in in the moment, you know, to give my time to the people that I'm around and to stay compassionate and tolerance and to practice the principles in all of my affairs, not, not just when I choose. So that's what I have. Uh, good morning. I'm Don. I'm a sexaholic. Um, and again, this is my second attitude adjustment uh, meeting. And I said, well, you know, they'll probably talk about similar stuff like yesterday, probably be about just changing my attitude. I, I probably need that for today. And, um, I am, I am so grateful for the topic, um, of criticism because, you know, I've been, I've been going to a therapist, um, as well as a couple's therapists and, uh, and, you know, I was, I think I've had like over four, four or five different therapists and, and I was going because, oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sex addict or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sexaholic or I, I need to be a better husband and better father. And, um, just recently in, in between my last two therapists, um, I had all these anger issues kind of like not just surface, but like really magnify. And, um, I like to, uh, criticize my mom on how she gossips about people and judges people. You know, everybody that's in, in my life, you know, I, uh, except my wife, <laughs> I don't do it in front of her. I don't say it to her in her face. Right. But, but that, that goes on my resentment list. Um, but you know, it's, it's crazy because I'm thinking, man, I could save money off of this therapist for the anger issue part because I'm trying to blame all this stuff like on PTSD and, 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 oh, you know, I got these anger issues because of some crap or trauma I saw in the past. So that relates to my son, how I don't know, you know, I'm sitting over here listening to a bunch of shares here and, you know, I don't want to be judgmental against people. I know I talk a lot under my breath about, you know, my peers at work. Um, my, my, my older adult kids and even my younger kids, you know, unfortunately it's like, you know, I say to myself, you know, why the hell are you doing that? 
seven-year-old? Why are you acting like a seven-year-old? It's stupid. It's um, <clears throat> And my wife reminds me, she's doing what a seven-year-old does or he's doing what a 14-year-old does. You just wait till he gets in those years where he wants to challenge you. Oh, I got it. You know, I got boxing gloves and headgear. We'll take it outside and, you know, I'll teach him how to be a man. No, that's, you know, it's it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And, you know, I I see that a lot of my anger is fueled because of me, because of my insecurities, because of my – what I judge myself on as being – um insufficient in a lot of areas. And, um, you know, if, if I could look my higher power in his face, which is hard a lot at those times, I'm sure he'd be shaking his head left and right saying, you're going to learn, you'll learn, you know, and, and I'm going to guide you to essay and, and you're going to go through this four step. And, um, Man, I, you know, I, at the same time, I'm fearing the ninth, but I'm still looking forward to it. And, um, you know, the, 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 um, the character defect of mine and in, in, in my addiction is wanting to say, cause I'm grateful that my wife is in program as well. But, you know, I still want to tell her after this meeting, Hey, you got to work your steps. <laughs> right. How, how quick was that? Right. <laughs> to just, to just revert back to that. So, so instead of that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to enhance my prayer in that area. Um, and just, it just really, just really puts a big focus on, um, you know, say, Hey, Don, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you should be. You could be doing it a lot better. Um, not being judgmental, but being real with myself and how I'm working my program. And, um, you know, this topic this morning has, has really given me, it's, it's almost like a, a pre-relief to me, you know, writing down more on my fourth step because, um, I was seeing that there's, there's sections in, in the schedule where I get a time to do quiet time or write. And I don't know if I want to waste that time and not go to another meeting, but, um, it just, it just helps me with, um, with being able to, to see, more of my character defects and how I can uh, I can correct that. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don. I'm Duster, grateful sexaholic. Um, I was thinking maybe I should have Don talk to my wife. She gets after me for acting like a seven year old. As we're as I was sitting here after the reading, I, I went back over and was looking at it again. And the thing that stuck out to me is here we are not trying to help those we criticize. We are trying to proclaim our own righteousness. And it really made me stop and think about the people I talk about, particularly in program. Um, my resentment list at this point is just full of people in this fellowship and other fellowships I tend. <laughs> and, uh, and what's my objective? Am I trying to help them by talk, you know, talking about them to somebody else and that goes to the same meetings or am I just trying to point out that I'm right, they're wrong. Um, and, uh, it's interesting because in, in my, my home group, um, and, and as I was thinking about this situation, first I wanted to say there's a lot of upheaval in our, my home group. And then it's like, well, there's a debate going on. And then it's like, well, there's a discussion <laughs> and, um, going on to change some of our format and stuff like that. And, uh, um, I've, I've got one buddy that 
particularly is on my side of the discussion. And, uh, he's an easy one for me to, to sit down with and, and criticize others. Um, and, uh, the upheaval I think is in me. And, uh, part of it is that my sponsors on the other side of the discussion. And, uh, and so I, I'm not necessarily going to my sponsor to discuss my disturbance. <laughs> and, uh, um, and as I'm, I'm thinking about all of this and, and one thing that I, I really have to remember with all the meetings I attend and, and I learned this at a very small noon meeting that I'd been holding together for some time. I'd, we'd spread out the service positions and then they'd all come back to me and, and then I'd spread it out. And there was one guy that was ruining my meeting. And, uh, and I finally learned that it's not my meeting. It's God's meeting. And, uh, that helped me let go of a lot of my frustration with him and, and, uh, come to peace with him. And, uh, and I need to remember that every time I go to a business meeting, it's not my, my meeting. It's, it's God's meeting. And, uh, and really what I'm doing is I'm letting personalities get before principles as I'm talking about these people and why, why are they, why are, why are they fighting against this? Emphasis on recovery and sobriety or whatever else. And, and, uh, um, I'm, I'm just focusing on the personalities and, uh, I need to focus on the principles and, and, uh, and not worry about where the meeting's going, um, so much because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm turning it over to God, um, and trying to just focus on that and, and somebody keeps asking me irritating questions about people that I get into discussions with, whether it's at our inner group or in, in the meetings. It's like, well, have you sat down with this person and asked them why they feel the way they feel? Um, what, what causes them to, to take this position? And every time he asks me that, it's like, no. And, uh, um, and I need to do that. I, I need to see it from the other person's perspective from their mouth. And uh, I'll take another 24. Thanks. Morning, everybody. My name is Bob. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, one of the things that I wrote down, I get these phrases that I hear all throughout the conference, and I just put them in a little notepad in my uh, phone, was get beyond the point of despair. And for me... Uh, Criticism and judgmentalism and gossip uh, occur at the point of despair. Uh, there's no other options, right? And uh, you know, when I got to make do my second uh, step, my sponsor asked me to write a, a one ad for my higher power. And one of the things that I didn't write, but it just occurred to me, was is that my higher power can get beyond the point of despair. You know, um, I love to sit in front of the the mess and look at it and say, well, this is it. You know, it's self-pity. It's this self-pity. And I like it. I like the, the way it feels. And I'd like to be able to grind on it in my head and just get something from that. And, you know, if I was, uh, uh, willing to sit down and, and ask myself, you know, what happened? I, I love answering those four quick questions of who, what happened? What does it affect? And where am I wrong? Just like it says in the fourth step in the big book to answer those reveals so much so fast to me 
because this whole judgmentalism is this, I just full of self pity. I want to be at the point of despair. I don't know how to get beyond the point of despair. And the point of despair, uh, you know, is surrendering my character defect of desiring to be in self pity to get beyond that because, um, that's all I'm doing. Beyond self pity is recovery. And I just like to stay there. And if I just decide that I'm going to stay there, it's going to be exactly what it sounds like. It's going to be a rip snorting, boiling pot of poison. And so what I just decided, uh, what I didn't decide, I didn't decide anything. I have a sponsor who got, who gets beyond the point of despair. And when I first saw this, it was a phenomenon. His father had passed away. And of course I wanted to be somber and sympathetic and the guy was beyond it. And it happened last night. And I eventually said to him, why are you acting like this? And he said to me, Bob, he said, if I spend one more minute in uh, sorrow and self-pity, the next man that I can help will walk right past me. And there was, where, uh, was a man that I chose to be my sponsor who was, had, had found, you know, the keys of the kingdom. It was to help another person. And he was, he had the ability through I would hope would be just a spiritual connection and growth to be able to get beyond that misery in this moment and move on to find there's the next man who's stumbling that he can reach out and help. And this happened twice <clears throat> in that and another gigantic upheaval in his life. I went over to give him some consolation and it was the same thing. I went home and I told my wife, I said, this guy's devoid of emotions. How, how does he live? You know, here I am devoid of emotions <laughs> and and loving it, right? And, you know, it just came to my understanding just by talking to and observing this wonderful man who saved my life that that was my best idea of how to live life, but it wasn't his. And there is a way to live a life different from being drugged down into these defects of character. And I firmly believe it says in our white book, surrendering them broke the power they had over us. And it wasn't a, um, <clears throat> a gigantic in the abstract them of, I have to know what my defects of character are. That's why those four questions are so important because where am I wrong? In the big book, I kept seeing it over and over again was resentful, selfish, dishonest, and afraid. And it just goes to that. And when I can put those in God's hands, I can move on. Thanks. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> well, I'm another Bob, sexaholic. <laughs> I'm another Bob. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm I'm really grateful for this uh, reading this morning about uh, gossip and um, criticism. That's the way I interpret it. I I uh, I see in myself. I see uh, this. Um, you know, out in daily renewal, it says I give up my right to be right. And I just got grist. I, I just, um, hold on to my right to be right. And I think that I'm smarter than everybody else. And I think that I see, you know, things more clearly. And so I, 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 uh, I think I can, I can make constructive criticisms about things other people are doing or how things are going. And it quickly goes from that to, uh, becoming negative uh, to then talking about it 
to the wrong person, to somebody who really isn't able to change it. And I realized a lot in, during my career, I recognized that I had this tendency to uh, be critical and have opinions uh, about the way things were going, but never talking to the right person. And uh, so I really wasn't doing any benefit to my company or uh, to my colleagues that I complained to. Um, I was really only just um, saying things that would ultimately be damaging to the individual that was, uh, you know, responsible uh, to if, – if a change was going to happen, that person needed to change it. So um, – um, <clears throat> but there's something in this reading that I, I hadn't seen before. I, I mean, I, I had never thought about this before. It says, um, I need to remind myself that my uniqueness is the blessing of my being. And that applies equally to everyone who crosses my path in life's journey. That statement just blew me away because I'm thinking about how, yeah, I'm, I have so much, uh, um, a tendency to think of myself as higher than other people in certain ways. And instead, I need to be saying, you know, everybody is in their uniqueness. That's, that's the blessing of their being. And I, and I have to learn how to appreciate that. And I can't as long as I think I'm the one that's like superior. And, uh, so as I, this just, this character defect just has such deep roots. I know I'm going to be working on this one for a long time, but I, I really, uh, I really like that perspective of looking at people, even though they're doing something differently than I would, or maybe I don't agree with them or they have other ideas and just, just saying, I mean, that's just the uniqueness. That's just the blessing of their being. I mean, that just changes my whole attitude about it. And I guess that's what we're here for, an attitude adjustment. So I, I think I got something that I can go with today. So thanks for letting me share. <coughs> Dale, sexolic. Dale. You know, it was, uh, when I got here, I lived by, I had a lot of faults, but being wrong wasn't one of them. Uh, I was self-employed my most of my adult life, um, <clears throat> and not educated, not with a very, very much education. I uh, paid for it in that business life a couple times severely, but I learned through the hard knocks and and uh, got a chance to make amends uh, due to the program for those behaviors or those shortcomings, and. Uh, was able to uh, retire early um, due to health problems <clears throat> because of this program. And uh, I remember many times having to go up people and just say, you know, I gossiped about you. Um, I said X, Y, Z to so-and-so. Would you like me to go straighten that out for you? Or my sponsor changed it once. He says, you have to go straighten this out, then you can go tell them what you did. <laughs> and it didn't take very long, very many amends to correct that behavior. <laughs> I sure didn't like having to go up to do that. And I can see I have some of those to do at my home group um, because I've I've said some things. Um, they may be minor in the overall picture, but that's and that's still immaterial. <clears throat> One of the things that, um, as I'm getting towards the, the latter part of my life versus the be, you know, 
when I used to defend my right to be right a lot, um, is that am I willing to get to to get off center? You know, when I get off center today, I've had a few strokes, and uh, when I get resentful now, I mean, it affects everything in me. I mean, I can't drive. It takes me three trips to my to my vehicle just to get all my stuff there. You know, I just it, I, you talk about disconnection at at its um, at the peak of that. That's what it does to me. Um, it's like my wife. I can't. I don't have the option of staying mad at her when we have disagreement. You know, I have to move to another room for a little while so I can put some duct tape on. You know. And pray and do what I need to do to get centered so I can come back and respond versus react. Because um, that's what I have to make amends for is my react. When I react to something, it tells me I'm not centered. And um, that means I need to get away and do the things I need to do to get centered. Um, you know, and what I heard a lot of today was, was deep resentments. Uh, versus, um, I think the topic that we read today was, uh, uh, pardon? Gossip? Criticism, gossip. And, um, and that's where, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, as I'm thinking about this, well, if I'm, if I'm saying I don't like your performance, then that must mean I have a resentment against you. I don't like something that you're doing. You know? I don't I don't feel that way. Don't know. It's it's a it's like I just don't so I'm sitting there thinking, well, I need to focus on <clears throat> finding good in that person versus what I don't like. I need to flip that coin over and maybe go and tell that person those positive things that they do, they do well. That's my job for today. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Dale. That is all the time we have uh, for sharing. Uh, in Sexaholics, it is our primary purpose to stay sexually sober and to help others achieve sexual sobriety. Our experience teaches us that attending meetings, working the steps, and giving and receiving sponsorship are keys are key elements in maintaining our, our own sobriety. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. Here, here. Uh, um, after a moment of silence for the sexaholic who still suffers, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. 
please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.